going through the teachings on calm abiding, how to develop a very firm concentration in our meditation so that we can keep our mind on the object of meditation for as long as we want without it rampaging or without it falling asleep. So, last session we were talking about various objects that we can focus on in order to develop calm abiding. And so I specifically dwelt on one category of objects, um, the objects to uh, eliminate disturbing attitudes or to subdue bad behavior. And so we talked about all those different meditations that one can do. Um, meditating on different things and then thereby developing calm abiding on those according to our own level of mind. In other words, if we have a lot of attachment, then we might want to develop calm, de- calm abiding using um, the, the unattractiveness of different objects as our, our object of meditation and so on. If we have a lot of... Um, superstition, conceptualization, chattering mind, then we would use the breath. So we talked about these different objects. In the Tibetan tradition, um, they emphasize uh, quite often using the Buddha as the object of our meditation. In other words, the visualized image of the Buddha uh, as what we meditate on in order to develop calm abiding. So instead of the breath or the ugly aspect or metta, something like that, to to visualize the Buddha. So this um, has many advantages to it because by um, using the the visualized image of the Buddha as the object of our meditation, we uh, continually remember the Buddha. And in that way, we create a lot of positive potential on our mind stream by continually remembering the Buddha. Because the visual form, the physical form of the Buddha, is itself something virtuous. We can see psychologically the effect that it has on our mind. kind of makes us settle down, and it kind of makes us remember what our own Buddha potential is, and thereby encouraging us on the path. And so just by visually visualizing the image of the Buddha, it leaves a good imprint on our mind. Whether or not we, we are actually able to develop calm abiding on that, just using that as an object in itself is something that's good for our mind. And then also, um, by continually remembering the Buddha like this through meditation, when we die, then it's very easy to recall the Buddha. And that's extremely important because... Uh, when we die, what we're thinking about at the time of death is really going to influence our future rebirth. You know, if we die and we're thinking about anger, you know, we're real angry, or we're thinking about, oh, who's going to get my embroidered this and that that has been passed down in the family three centuries. You know, if we're thinking about this kind of stuff when we die, it's going to really adversely affect our mind. Whereas if we spend a lot of time trying to make the mind single-pointed on the image of the Buddha, then it's very easy to make that arise at the time of death. And that automatically puts the mind in a virtuous state, and so it prevents the ripening of negative karma. And so in that way, it ensures a good rebirth. And so um, 
you know, also when we're in danger, when we're nervous, it, it becomes much easier to remember the Buddha and thereby remember our object of refuge. And so it helps in all these other aspects of our life if we learn to visualize the Buddha very consistently. Um, and it also helps us to purify our mind and to accumulate a lot of positive potential, you know. Um, also, when we do tantric meditation later on, if we've had some uh, practice visualizing the image of the Buddha, then doing tantric meditation becomes quite easy because, it, you know, we're familiarized with visualizing. So when we visualize Chinrezi or Kalachakra or Tara or whoever it is, very easy for that to come into the mind. So it helps a lot in that kind of practice. Um, it helps us to remember the Buddha's qualities and thus our own Buddha potential. And in that way, it gives us a lot of inspiration and encouragement along the path to, um, to visualize the Buddha. It also helps us to create a lot of positive potential to actualize the Buddha's form body ourself. When we talk of the Buddha, we talk of um, the, the form body of the Buddha and then the, the mind of the Buddha. And so visualizing the Buddha's forms helps us create the cause to be able to attain that one day ourselves. And then also, um, because as another part of our practice is visualizing the field of positive potential and making offerings and doing confession, and this again involves visualizing the Buddha, if we develop a lot of positive, you know, positive imprint and, and strong um, imprint from visualizing the image of the Buddha, then when we do offerings or we're doing the thir- prostrations to the 35 Buddhas or something else, that practice becomes stronger because it's easier to visualize and we get the actual feel, we get the feeling that we're really um, in the presence of the Buddha and doing these practices um, with the Buddha. Okay, and so it's very good to, to do this if, um, you know, if kind of the level of your other delusions is about equal, then it's good to use the uh, image of the Buddha, you know, as our, as our object of concentration. So when we do this, uh, we usually visualize the Buddha in the space in front of us. They usually say about six feet, you know, five or six feet in front of us and to visualize the Buddha. Um, try visualizing it small. If you visualize a really enormous Buddha, you know, your mind's going to get kind of distracted and, and way out there. Um, and because you're going to be, you know, having this huge thing you're trying to keep in mind. So they say the smaller you can make it, the better. You don't want to make it so small that your mind gets a headache and really tight. Okay, so they say try and make it like a barley seed. If that's too small, then make it like the top joint of your thumb. And if that's too small, then make it the size of your thumb. And if that's too small, then make it four fingers width. Okay, <laughs> so you can kind of play around with it. But, you know, I'm saying this because some people think that they have to imagine this huge Buddha. And then it's like the mind, because it's trying to something very big, it gets very distracted. Okay, so, so keep it small. Um, okay, and then as to what the height is, this is going to depend a lot on your mind. 
if you visualize it, you know, real, if you visualize the Buddha real high, then it tends to make the mind veer towards excitement and agitation. The mind gets too high, too flighty. If you visualize the Buddha too low, then it's very easy for the mind to get lax and, and tired and to start falling asleep. So they usually say kind of about eye level, but you can vary the size according to your own particular mind. If you find that doing it at eye level makes, makes your mind too excited, then lower it a little bit. Okay? Otherwise, you might raise it a little bit if, you're, if you keep getting um, lax. But remember, it's only a visualized image. So you don't want to have it that, you know, you visualize uh, the Buddha here, so then you start looking down like that. Or you visualize the Buddha here, so you start looking up. Remember that this is just a, a placement in your mind's eye. You're not looking at anything out there. So it's very good to start with to have a picture of the Buddha that you you look at and have a picture that, that you find particularly pleasing. Or, you know, you can also, um, you know, design the artistry yourself, like the exact expression on the Buddha's face or whatever. Um, but if you have, a you know, a picture that really appeals to you, you can look at that and then you close your eyes and you try and remember what you looked at. Okay, so visualization basically is this kind of creative or imaginative um, aspect of the mind. Okay? But you don't want to just visualize a postcard or a statue or something like that. You want to really make it live. And so when you visualize the Buddha, you think of him has, having a body of golden light and that it's 3D. Okay, so it's not a 3D statue and it's not a 2D postcard that's painted, but it's something that's made of light that's 3D and you imagine it's the real living Buddha. So there's this real feeling of communication with the Buddha and his qualities. So that has a really nice impact on our mind when we do that. Okay, so we look at it first, we close our eyes and we try and remember it. Uh, and what we can do is go over the details of the Buddha's body. Now, that's why in the description, like in Pearl of Wisdom Book 1 and the Meditation on the Buddha, there's a whole description of what the Buddha looks like. So you kind of, with a more analytical mind, you look at all the details, kind of as if you're painting a picture. You know, what does the Buddha's hair look like and why the earlobes and the long, narrow eyes. I think it's especially effective to spend some time on the Buddha's eyes because they're very compassionate. And for those of us who feel unloved and unappreciative and un-everything else, it's very helpful to imagine the Buddha who actually appreciates and cares and remembers our birthday and everything like that. Yeah. So, you know, it helps our mind a great deal. And, you know, the robes, the hand gesture, the hand position, the lotus flower, you know. They usually have you start at the bottom with the throne and the lotus and the cushions of sun and moon and then the Buddha seated on top of that. But you can kind of, you know, go over the details as, as it feels comfortable to you. And then when you've done that, then you focus on the image that you get. So don't squeeze the mind to such an extent that, okay, I've got to get every detail of the boot exactly correct, you know, because you're going to drive yourself totally nuts. 
um, but rather get the general image, go over the details to get the general image. And then however clear the general image is, be content with that and hold your mind on that. So try at the beginning really to focus more on stability and getting your your mind stable on whatever image you have rather than focusing at the beginning and trying to get the image really precise and clear. So we're, see, we tend to do it the opposite. We want to get it real crystal clear and then hold the mind on it. And they say that's the backwards way to do it. Okay, go over the, the, the different qualities so we get the basic image, but then focus more on stability and hold the mind on whatever image we get and really develop a sense of being satisfied with that instead of being so self-critical. God, I can't see every single one of the Buddha's toes, you know. <sighs> really, because some people do this and they, get, they start getting involved in visualization. It's like, well, how many folds does this robe have? And how many patches going across here? And, you know, where exactly is the belt? And we just drive ourselves nuts with it. So that's how I say really focus much more on, on stability in the mind. And then slowly, slowly you can go over the details again and again and become more and more familiar with them. Okay, but really develop some sense of contentment with your own ability. And like I keep saying, don't expect to see anything. Yeah? So don't expect, okay, I'm visualizing the Buddha, so there the Buddha should appear in 3D living color like I'm having a vision. Yeah? It's not like that. It's just, you know, like I keep using the example. If I say pizza, everybody has a very good image in their mind of pizza. Okay? I say pizza. Do you have an image in your mind? Okay? Now, if I say your home, have an image of your mind in your, in your mind? It's very clear, isn't it? You know exactly what it is. Even your eyes are open. Yeah, it has nothing to do with your eyes being open or closed. That image is in your mind. And we all know very, very well we can talk to somebody and think about something else <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, usually object of attachment. <laughs> so, so it's the same kind of thing. Um, and when our attention is good, you know, the little bit of light coming through our eyes or even some sound, it's not going to disturb so much because we're really going to be on the Buddha. Okay. And it's just the thing, basically, of making our mind more familiar with the Buddha's image than with the image of pizza or the image of Mickey Mouse. And we can visualize Mickey Mouse like that. Very easy. Now, it just shows we're more familiar with Mickey Mouse than with the Buddha. Because when we start to visualize the Buddha, it's like, well, how's he sitting? What does he look like? Uh, it's basically just familiarity. So as we train the mind, we get more and more familiar with it. Okay, don't visualize Mickey Mouse and the Buddha. <laughs> Maybe Mickey Mouse holding up the Buddha's throne. I don't know. <laughs> Instead of the snow lions in the West, we'll have Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck holding up the throne. Okay. <laughs> so... Sometimes, you know, some people are, are very advanced meditators and they might use the mind itself 
or emptiness as their object of, of meditation. But those are much more abstract and more difficult for us to focus on. So using the visualized image of the Buddha, it's something that's more quote, quote, physical, even though it's not physical. So it helps our, our mind, which is so um, entrapped by color and form, to really focus on something. Whereas if we started taking emptiness or the mind itself, we might get really, really spaced out because we have a hard time just recognizing those objects. Oh, at sometimes when you're visualizing the image of the Buddha, one aspect of it may become really, really clear to you. You know, maybe the eyes or the robes or something, some particular aspect. And so at that point, it's okay to really put most of your attention on that particular quality, but not to the exclusion of the other qualities of the Buddha. So don't just focus on the eyes and forget that the eyes are attached to the body. Okay, don't just, you know, get the Buddha's eyes and then they're appearing in empty space. But, you you know, it's the same way as if, if there's a person, you might really look at their eyes or you might look at the mole on their cheek or something like that. But you re- recognize there's the whole rest of them there. So in the same way, if one particular aspect of the Buddha's body is becomes more vivid in your mind, then focus on that, but don't have that appear in, in a vacuum. Yeah, it's still attached to the to the rest of the body. Okay. So it's it's very nice to develop this practice, um, you know, because it really makes you feel close to the Buddha, allows you to feel close in that way. Sometimes when you're trying to focus on the on the image of the Buddha, um, your mind may start to play games and it may start to move around. And so sometimes, you know, the image starts out at a proper size and then, you know, the Buddha gets off the throne and he starts dancing or, you know, instead of being golden color, he turns to blue or instead of the Buddha, you get Tara or, you know, our our mind does all sorts of different things. So, you know, whatever you choose as your object of meditation, keep it like that. Uh, and if as the mind starts changing it and, and joking around with it, um, then just remember that it's not the image that's changing places. It's not that the Buddha's there and the Buddha's standing up, okay? But it's our mind that is making the image change. And so just be real aware of that. Uh, and, you know, Gimlin Rimba says, the Buddha gets up, tell him to sit right back down again. <laughs> <laughs> Buddha changes into Tara, say, come back, you know, Buddha. Okay? If you use Tara as your object of meditation, then it's a different thing. And then if Tara changes into Buddha, you say, come back, Tara. Okay? But whatever it is that you've chosen, then you, you keep to that. Because the mind does, you know, become very creative and, and do things. And another thing that, that I found very helpful is that when you visualize the Buddha, Imagine that it's a whole scene that you are part of. Uh, and I, I really saw this when I went to these caves in China, the Dunhuang Caves, because the artistry of the murals on the wall was such that you as the viewer were involved, you were part of the scene. The way it was, it wasn't like you were just looking at an image out there, but the artistry was kind of 
you were part of it. And I really felt that when you meditate as if you're part of the scene, rather than, okay, visualizing the postcard, and, and okay, there's the Buddha there, and there's Shariputra, Mogulyana Putra, and the whole thing has a framework of this. Yeah, and then after that, there's just kind of, I don't know what, but I'm just focusing on this tonka-like thing there. Then you feel very separate and very excluded. But if you visualize the Buddha, and you just make a very pleasant scene around, you know, maybe a lake and mountains or whatever you find pleasant, but it's all around, and it's around you, and you're in that environment and part of it too, then it makes it much easier um, to to imagine the Buddha, and it makes it much more alive for you. So try that as well. Okay. Um, what if uh, when you're first starting, the Buddha seems to um, change a lot and you know float or move around? Then for a few days you might imagine the image as if it's heavy. Even though you're imagining it is made of light, you know, you might imagine it as kind of being heavy in some way, so in order to help your mind stay there with it. But don't continue that for too long, because if you keep imagining the image as being something heavy, your mind's also going to get heavy. Okay. So that's a little bit about using the Buddha as the object uh, of meditation. And it's nice to try that, especially if, for those of you who do the purification uh, with the Buddha, the meditation on the Buddha in Pearl of Wisdom, Book 1, uh, it's very good uh, when you do that practice bef- before you say the mantra, you know, just to spend some time as, uh, creating the image of the Buddha and just holding your mind as single-pointedly on that as you can. And then when the mind gets restless, then start doing the purification and say the mantra and imagine the light coming. And so that helps your mind gain some stability um, on the image before you, you know, proceed with the whole meditation. It's very effective that way.